may be seated. I think we need to practice in this, right? I'm just saying that. Maybe that helped me not be nervous. So.
2 Samuel chapter 12 this morning, 2 Samuel chapter 12, boy what a song, I'm going to say that again, boy what a song, Amen. what a message, I'm going to make it, we've already been promised, you may be here this morning, the devil's lied to you, deceived you, tell you you're not going to make it, tell you there's no way out. To tell you there's no hope, there's no victory. But child of God, we've already been promised victory. <laughs> We're not defeated, folks. God has already promised us the victory. We're going to make it. He's going to see us through. He's going to be there the entire time. He's not going to let you down. He's still high. He's still lifted up. He's still holy. He's still concerned. He still knows. He's still God. Hello, wake up, folks. He's still God. He knows what's going on in our life, and he's going to see us through. Hold on to the precious promises of God's Word. It's all we got to stand on. You say, preacher, you're not worried about what this world's coming? No, because I've read the back of the book, and we win. We win. Second Samuel chapter 12. Y'all stood up all morning. Let's do it again. If there's anything worth standing up for, it's the Word of God. 2 Samuel chapter 12 and in verse 10. Now therefore the sword shall never depart from thine house, because thou hast despised me, and hast taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be thy wife. Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will raise up evil against thee out of thy own house, and I will take thy wives before thine eyes, and give them unto thy neighbor. And he shall lie with thy wives in the sight of this son. For thou didst it secretly, but I will do this thing before all Israel and before the son. And David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said unto, unto David, The Lord also hath put away thy sin, thou shalt not die. Aren't you glad that God forgives sin? God can forgive your sin. But notice this. In verse 14, Howbeit, because by this deed thou hast given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme, the child also that is born unto thee shall surely die. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we need your blessing this morning. Lord, bless the reading of your word. Give me power from on high to preach your word. Lord, these people do not need to hear from a man, but they need to hear from you. And Lord, I pray that every word that comes from my mouth will be from you and you alone. Lord, we need to hear from heaven. Lord, I pray that if we are living in that life of sin as David was, I pray that your sweet Holy Spirit would convict us. Lord, I pray that we would be convicted of our lifestyle. And Lord, if you're not happy with us, tell us this morning. And I pray that we, you would give us the strength, the grace, and the power to respond to the conviction. Lord, give us grace to ask for forgiveness this morning. If we get right, it's not on our power and our merit. It will be on yours. Lord, we need your strength today. I love you, and I praise you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. I want to speak to you this morning on the subject, the result of a sinful life. The result of a sinful life. In our text today, we see David. David, a man after God's own heart, the king of the greatest country that there's ever been and ever will be, the nation of Israel. 
This is uh, the seed in which the line of Christ will come. It is of the kingdom that when Christ comes and rules and reigns, it will be because he is of the seed of David. It is David that was a man after God's own heart, but he was a fleshly man who had fleshly desires that battled with temptation and trials every single day of the week. There is no point in us coming in here and pretending that any of us is perfect. David was not a perfect man, but he was a man after God's own heart. David struggled with some things. David committed sin. The greatest mistake that David ever made was not necessarily the sin that he chose, but it was that he chose to stay in that sin. Understand as God's people, there is a difference in committing a sin and there's a difference in staying in that sin. As God's people, we are tempted all the day long. We're counted as sheep to the slaughter. The devil does anything and everything he can to bring us down. And because of our nature and because of our flesh, it is easy to give in to the temptation of the devil. And there's times that we slip and there's times that we fall. But child of God, our job is not to stay in that sin. There's one thing about committing a sin, and it's another thing of living a lifestyle of sin. David is facing the consequences, not because he sinned, but because he refused to get right with God. You see, David refused to get his life right. He refused to deal with his sin. And I'm going to go ahead and apologize to y'all because I may spit on you for the days out. <laughs> Miss V's nonstop wiping slobber off of her on the front up here. But David absolutely refused to get right. He refused to carry his sin before the Lord and he chose to hide his sin rather than get right with the Lord. And the greatest mistake that he made is when he failed to repent of his sins. And child of God, the greatest mistake that we can make in our life is when sin is in our life and we refuse to get right with God. Child of God, we need to make peace with Him. God will not allow us to continue on. If you're saved, the Holy Spirit of God is in you. And that Holy Spirit will follow you to the whole pen of sin, bless God. That Holy Spirit will follow you no matter where you go. And that Holy Spirit will make you miserable. That Holy Spirit will tell you it's time to go home. It's time to get right. It's time to get clean. I'm telling you, I'm glad the Holy Spirit doesn't leave us alone. And the entire time that David lived that life, He lived in misery because he refused to get right. He refused to get peace with his sin and get right with God. I want you to hold your place there and look in Psalm 32. Psalm 32. And child of God, if you're here this morning and there's sin in your life, I mean, there's no question there's sin, okay? There's no question. And I'm not going to sit up here and act like that I'm perfect because I'm not, and God knows that I'm not perfect. But I'm going to tell you that when we get to the place that we make mistakes, we must acknowledge our mistakes and get right with God. And there's enough blood from the shed blood of Jesus to cover every sin you've ever committed and every sin you're going to commit, okay? We're not perfect, but bless God, we're looking to the one who is perfect. Notice in Psalm, in Psalm 32, David here in this psalm is describing the days. 
that he refused to repent of his sin. It said in verse 1, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no guile. When I kept silence, he refused to repent of his sin. When I kept silence, my bones waxed old through my war and all the day long. He was miserable. He said, for day and night, thy hand was heavy upon me. Every day, early in the morning and late at night, the conviction of the sin was upon his mind and his heart. He said, my moisture is turned into the drought of summer. Selah, I acknowledge my sin unto thee, and my iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. We look in verse 3 and verse 4, and then we look in verse 5. Listen, between verse 4 and verse 5 is, is a time period of at least nine months. Nine months. He conceived the child with Bathsheba. This was a sin in what he did. We know that when Nathan approached David, the child had already been born. So we're looking at nine months to a year that David has been sweeping his sin and his lifestyle under the rug and said, I'm just going to cover it up and everything's going to be okay. And that entire year, that man was miserable. Every time that he laid down, God said, uh-uh. Uh-uh. Every time that he got up, God said, uh-uh. You're not going to keep living this way. Every time that David tried to put on that facade and try to just try to fake it. <laughs> Y'all been there. I've been there. How many times that we got up and said, instead of getting right, we're just going to fake it. God said, uh-uh. And he made him miserable. And he stayed up in his moisture. Everything that he had of the Lord felt like it was drained out of him. Now notice Psalm 51. Psalm 51. <clears throat> and I want you to notice the things that he lost spiritually. In a second, we're going to discuss what he lost physically. But notice what he lost spiritually. In verse 7 of Psalm 51, he's talking about his sin here. And he says, Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. You see, David lost his praise. He laid there for a year in sin and he lost his praise. Unforgiven sin, unrepented sin will steal the praise of the Lord from you. When you sit there in sin, you will get to the place where you will refuse to praise the Lord. You will lose the joy of your salvation. Notice what he said in verse 9. Hide thy face from my sins and blot out all of my iniquity. Create in me a clean heart, O God. He realized that he had a dirty heart. He realized that not only did he lose his praise, but he lost his purity. He understood that he was no longer clean. If you've been saved by the precious blood of Jesus, you know how it feels to live a godly life and an ungodly life. And when you are living ungodly, not only are you dirty on the outside, but you're dirty on the inside. And the Holy Spirit will always reveal the dirtiness that is inside of our hearts. Notice what he said next. He said, renew a right spirit 
within me. Not only did he lose his purity, but he lost his positivity. Man, I'm telling you, when you're living in sin and out of fellowship with God, you can become a negative person. Because you lose your victory, you lose your shouts, you lose your praise. So if you're not talking positive, you're talking negative. And sometimes when we get so negative, it's because that there's something going on in our hearts that is robbing the joy of our salvation. And he said, I had a negative spirit. And notice what he said next. He said, cast me not away from thy presence and take not the Holy Spirit from me. Not only did he lose his positivity, but he lost the presence of the Lord. Now did he ever say God left him? No. He said, take not the Holy Spirit from me. And he never said, restore unto me my salvation. He said, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. He felt like God was 10,000 miles away. Do you remember when Samuel came to the house of Jesse to anoint little David? And little David, all of these years, had had the Spirit of God upon him. And the Spirit fell upon him there in the house of Jesse. And he carried that Spirit with him through all of those years. And now he is a year in sin, begging God, don't take your Spirit from me. Don't take your Spirit. He never said he lost it. But he sure felt like he was about to lose it. Let me tell you something. When you're living a life of sin, you will doubt your salvation. Child of God, and I'm going to say this right here. <laughs> Jesus said, I put you in the hands of the Father. Bless God, there's nothing in this world that can pluck you out of His hands. You are safe forevermore. You will never lose your salvation, but you will lose the joy of your salvation. You will, you will feel like that God is 10,000 miles away. And child of God, we ought to walk hand in hand with Him every day of our life. We ought not live life feeling like God is second or third or fourth in our life. We ought to feel like He is the preeminence of everything that we do. Child of God, if we sit here with sin dwelled up, it will separate our fellowship between us and God. It will mess up families. Sin will destroy your family. Sin will destroy Promised Land Church. Unforgiven sin will destroy the lives of mamas and daddies and children. May I tell you that sin is what comes in and divides a church and divides a home and divides a family. Sin is dangerous and sin must be dealt with. Sin must be dealt with. Now look back in 2 Samuel chapter 12. Notice physically... The result of this sinful life. Number one, David would experience a life of confusion. In verse 11, it says, Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will raise up evil against thee out of thine house, and I will take thy wives before thine eyes, and give them unto thy neighbor, and he shall lie with the wives in the light of the sun. I want you to notice what he said. I will raise up evil against thee. I want you to go back to verse 10. He said, Now therefore the sword shall never depart from thine house, because thou hast despised me. Verse 10, when he said the, the sword will never depart, means that he will always be at war. He said, Because you have sinned, because you've refused, you will experience a life of confusion. Because he refused to repent of his sin, he said you will experience the sword in your life. Do you realize that every king of Israel warred? 
But there's never been a king to war as much as King David. King David never got to fully enjoy his salvation. He never got to fully enjoy being in Israel and enjoying Jerusalem because he was always at war. In fact, the Bible said that at the end of his life, he desired to bring the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem, and he wanted to build a temple, and God said, you have shed so much blood that I'm not going to let you build my temple. This man was such a man of war that God did not want him touching the temple because he had shed so much blood. Every king of Israel has shed blood, but never has there been a king to deal with so much confusion as King David. His house was a wreck. His kids were sinful. The things that his kids did were horrible. They hated their daddy, some of them. They tried to kill him. This man would live a life of confusion because you know what sin does? It confuses things. And the consequence of sin is confusion. Child of God, the consequence of righteousness is peace and joy and harmony. And this man never fully got to enjoy his salvation because he was facing the consequences of sin. He was facing the results of sin. And may I tell you that this man was a man of praise. This man was a, a man of honor and righteousness. But could you just imagine how much more he would have been if he didn't have to deal with the mess, the confusion. I'm going to tell you something. I don't like the Jerry Springer show. And I don't want it in my house. And I don't want it in my life. I don't like fighting and fussing, and God doesn't either. There's enough confusion in our homes today to drive our kids nuts, and then we wonder what happened. We need to get the confusion out of the house. We need to get the confusion out of the homes. And you know why there's confusion? Because there's sin. There's sin. And every time that sin takes place, it will bring confusion to our life. Chaotic. Chaos. And God is not the author of confusion. Confusion begins in the home. Begins in our hearts and then it goes to the home. And then guess what? It goes to the church house. And then it goes to the school house. And then it goes to the government house and the White House. And before we know it, we have confusion in every house in our nation. You cannot turn on a television without taking a high blood pressure pill. <laughs> it will stress you out, the confusion. There's people every day kicking and screaming because of the chaos. That is going on. I'm sick of sin. I'm sick of the curse of sin. I'm sick of seeing families divided. I don't know about y'all, but I'm sick of divorce. I'm sick of custody battles. I'm sick of cancer. Come on now. Child of God, you ought to be sick of the confusion that we have to deal with on a daily basis. But a lot of us are sleeping in the bed that we made. And there's things today at 33 years old that I'm having to live by because of the decisions that I made 10 years ago, 15 years ago. And there's times that we make decisions. And yes, God forgives us. And yes, bless God, they're gone in heaven. And they're not going to be there when we get there. But we still got to bear them here. And there's consequences that brings confusion 
that we'll face. And David faced confusion to the day he died. I don't know about y'all, but I don't want to do that. I don't want to face that confusion. Notice verse 12. Number two, David's mistakes were revealed for all to see. In verse 12, for thou didst it secretly, but I will do this thing before all Israel and before the Son. And David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. David was a popular man, one of the greatest kings to ever rule and reign. Do you remember why the people wanted him so much? Because he was a godly man. When he went out, his very first adventure in the public eye is when he defeated Goliath. Whose name did he go out there on? Not his own, but the name of the Lord. The name of the Lord. The name of the Lord. And when people looked at David, not only did they see David, but they saw the Lord. And when they looked at David, man, that's a good man. That man loves the Lord. That man has got a, a testimony that is... A, a, uh, beyond imagination. Man, this man is holy. This man loves God. And he said, for a year, you swept that sin under the carpet so nobody could hear it so that you could keep your name good. And he said, but I'll tell you what I'm fixing to do. You swept it in there, so I'm fixing to pull it out for the whole world to see. You see, where there is sin, there will be shame. Man, I know this is a tough sermon because I had to swallow this pill before I could give it to y'all. But I'm telling you, I remember my entire life when I walked out my daddy's door in West Monroe, Louisiana. Son, you better keep my name good. You better keep my name. I'm 33 years old and I still leave his house. Son, you better keep my name good. You better keep my name good. David worked and worked and worked on that name. He had a name among the nations that was above all. And God said, you're fixing to ruin your name. And there's fixing to be shame that comes to your name. If God took our closet and emptied it out in this room, whew, I'll be the first to run. If God made our private life public, Lord have mercy. The shame that would come to our name and our family and our home. I'm the chiefest of sinners. And I'm telling you that if God emptied out my closet today, it would be shameful. And you would think, oh, what a sorry preacher. <laughs> well, you got that right. But this sorry preacher is wrapped up in the grace of God. And I'm not perfect, and I don't claim to be perfect, but bless God, I'm looking to a perfect God who's got a perfect plan with a perfect Bible, with a perfect redemption and a perfect forgiveness. I mess up all the day long, but bless God, He's got enough blood for every sin that I'll ever commit. And as long as I keep going to Him and saying, Jesus, here it is. Jesus, here it is. Jesus, you, you mean, preacher, we need to ask for forgiveness every day, every day of the week. I don't know about you, but I'm so bad, i got to do it two or three times a day. He you say, man, how bad are you? Well, sometimes I'm not as guilty about the things I do do rather than the things that I don't do. And I'm telling you as Christians, we got a lot to be ashamed of. And our life sits before an open book before God and He's looking. Man, that's shameful. I don't want y'all looking at it. <laughs> Definitely don't want the Lord. But boy, what if he opened your closet for the world to see? He said, David, here you go. It is amazing to me how you can spend 80 years building a name. And you can tear it up with one word. 
One action. And we get to talk, well, did you hear about so-and-so? Did you hear, let me tell you about so-and-so. So-and-so is tempted just like you are. And you're a decision away from being in the same mess. And the only thing that separates us today from everybody else is the grace of an almighty God. Do not get to pointing fingers. Nathan said, David, thou art the man. And I'm telling you this morning, I got in the office looking over my sermon. I weeped and I wailed over this. And I had to ask for forgiveness. There was shame in my heart. I'm telling you, I don't want my name to be a name of shame. A life, a life of shame. I want my name to honor and glorify Jesus Christ. Notice, lastly here, in verse 14. Oh, man. David's testimony in his God was damaged. Howbeit because this deed thou hast given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. Holy moly. You see, his action destroyed his testimony, but it also destroyed the testimony of the Lord. And the enemies of God that were so quick to attack when you messed up, they began to attack. And he said, you open the door for the, for the devil and you open the door for the enemies and you open the door for those who don't believe in me. I'm telling you, there's a world that's waiting for you to fall. There's a world of people that you've witnessed to and that you've talked to and they're waiting for you to fall. And you've told them about Jesus and you told them how good he is. And when you messed up, when you mess up, they're not going to get it. They're not going to understand that God's a forgiving God. And I'm not going to say if you mess up. I'm going to say when you mess up. Because you're going to mess up. But those people don't understand what we understand. They don't understand God will forgive us and clean us and purge us. All they're thinking, man, these people, these hypocrites, been sitting here telling me about Jesus, and they live in the same life I live. You go out there, and I go out there, and we invite people to promised land, and They'll say every time, well, I can be a hypocrite at home, preacher. I'm not going up there with them bunch of hypocrites. Everywhere in the country, there's a lot of folks that's got that excuse. I'm not going up there because I'm they're just as bad as me. They go to the bar the bar joint like I do. We we live the same life, but at least I'm open with mine. <laughs> at least I don't try to hide it. They're looking for an excuse. And do not be that excuse for them. Do not be that excuse. There's coming a time when we stand before an almighty God. The book of Ezekiel says that if we stand before the Lord and we have damaged our testimony to the point and place that people won't get saved, that when we stand before the Lord and they're in hell, that their blood will be upon our hands. And before the judgment seat of Christ, I'm going to have to see and look at the lives that could have been saved if I'd have just got right. If I'd have just done it the right way. We may not care now, but there's coming a day we're going to care. And child of God, that Holy Spirit's in you, you ought to care now. But there's coming a day that it's going to make sense. And we're going to look, wow. Look at the people that could have been saved. If I would have just stood up and said, that's it. I've had enough. I've had enough. Lord, have mercy. Would you come home today? Would you come home today? 
I don't know what your life is. I don't know how you've been living. And I don't care. But God does. God knows everything you're going through. But I know this of the prodigal son, that when the prodigal son had enough, he finally came to himself. That conviction that this isn't right and i got to get right. There was a father standing there at the house with his eyes looking. The first one to see him come home was the father. And the father looked out and here he come. The father's arms were wide open. Everybody look at me. The father's arms are still open. He come on home and the father fell on him and kissed him. The father cried. He said, bring the best robe. Bring the best clothes. Kill the fatted calf. Let's shout and let's rejoice. Go get a ring and let's put it on his finger. He's not one of my servants. He's one of my sons. You bring him home and I'm going to restore him. I'm telling you, God can clean you. God can forgive you. I don't care what addiction you have. I don't care what sin there is. There's enough blood that's big enough and powerful enough to clean you from everything you've ever done. Man, I'm glad I don't have to preach sermons like this every Sunday. And y'all probably are too. Man, it's one of these tough ones. But we need it every now and then. And we need those Nathans every now and then to say, Thou art the man. And every time I point a finger at you, i got three more pointing right back at me. I'm the chiefest, but he's the Savior. We need to go to him, and we need to ask for forgiveness of our sins. If you're here this morning, you've never been saved. Would you be saved today? You have nothing to be prideful about? Do not worry about it. If you've never been saved, whether you're 8 or 80, be saved this morning. You come down this aisle and let me show you how to be saved. Child of God, maybe it's time to get at the altar and say, Oh, Jesus, purge me. Clean me. Wash me white as snow. When's the last time you've just gone before the Lord and said, Here it is. Here it is. You done lost that spirit. You done lost that joy. You done, you done lost that presence. You've done lost the joy and the peace of your salvation. Well, bless God, you can get it back this morning. You can get it back. You may come in here groaning and moaning, but we're going to walk out of here shouting together. And David was one of the biggest shouting Baptists you've ever seen in your life. But it always started with him on his face saying, Oh, God, clean me. Oh, God, wash me. God's people, would you come to the fountain and be clean? I want to ask you to stand.